What we know about employee performance and measuring it has always been about the product. But since when have we thought about it in terms of a process and the things that go into that process that may be helping or hindering employees before they ever get down to business? Today on the podcast to shed more light on how we can change in an era of ever-changing work habits and workplaces, we have Dr. Tommy Weir, the CEO of Enable. From the studios of Karma Productions Worldwide in Chicago, this is Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic. Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance, where we supply expert views, riff on the news, innovate, and investigate actionable insights, unscripted banking with a caffeine kick. I'm your host, Lou Carlozo, inviting you to sit back, grab a cuppa, kick up your feet. Here we go. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Bankadelic, an NMD Plus podcast production. And coming to us today from Boston, Go Celtics. We have Dr. Tommy Weir. Tommy is a CEO, coach, leadership expert, and the CEO at Enable. He's a speaker, writer, entrepreneur, and dedicated to helping enterprise achieve market-defying results through advanced leadership science. I have been a lifelong fan of leadership literature, of course, when it hits the mark. And Tommy, this is as much going to be a learning experience for me as it is an interview. Welcome to Bankadelic. Lou, it's fantastic to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, the opportunity, I'd like to say, is all mine. A very unusual question to start out with. But if we were on an elevator and I could pick out one thing to have you identify that a lot of people think leadership is, but it really isn't, what might that be and what's the corrective there? What leadership is, but actually isn't. That is a fantastic question. A position. Interesting. A lot of people think it's about the position that they achieve rather than the influence. That would be my elevator answer. They think leadership is all about a position that you achieve rather than the influence of driving to direction. And when we talk about that influence and the many people that you have worked with and coached, let's say they have bought that pitch. They say, Tommy, I get it but I don't know where to start in terms of gaining that influence that's going to make me an effective CEO. What's the baseline? Being an effective CEO is all about, and this is a little counterintuitive until you think about it, it's realizing that you have X number of million hours that are accessible to you each year and helping each one of those employees use those hours in the best way they can to serve your customer. What happens in reality is those hours get wasted. For some reason, we think time is free. Which is a really ideal segue here to talk about artificial intelligence. And not a lot of people would associate AI necessarily with trying to scale that mountain and meet that challenge. You've created an AI platform that helps employees with these challenges. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, it's kind of interesting if you think about it. We're very dependent on AI in our regular life. So we use Siri for music, we use Netflix for movies, we use Google Maps. Like AI is pervasive in our life, but when it actually comes to the workplace to help employees, it's as if we're operating 50 years ago. 
and that it hasn't come into the workplace yet. And realizing that we spend the most of our time and our days actually using a computer and the AI is able to learn how you work to look at the patterns of your work, to identify what you could be doing better, and then actually to make recommendations to you similar to what a Netflix would do or an Amazon would do if they were making recommendations to a consumer. Yeah, it's fantastic. That sort of predictive intelligence and also that data analytics that can guide people in the path of making better decisions. Now, of course, in the financial services industry, there's been a lot of talk about how this would and should play out, especially with the pandemic. What kinds of trends and patterns have you been seeing there when it comes to leadership and employees and getting the most out of everybody's time? A trend, all talk, no action, to be really frank with you. CEOs are recognizing and they even have a little bit of a discomfort, which has been in the media with this whole aspect of hybrid work or remote work but yet we ended up sending everybody home and we haven't put the tools in their hands to help them succeed at the levels that they should. Earlier this week, one of the, I'll just reference it as a top five bank. They said, we have more data than we could ever make sense of, but we don't know what to do with the data. So the data is there, data is the currency of the future, but yet that data just sits and then we revert back um, to the point we made a moment ago of operating like we did 50 years ago in the way that we manage and not really pausing to say, wait a minute, how do we take this data to actually help our employees? Yeah, and it seems that, and pardon me if I'm simplifying it a bit too much, but it was viewed as a question of maybe geographical location, geography, as opposed to technology. You're either in the office or you're not in the office where either way, the technology can maximize what it is that you're doing. A hundred percent. Companies will jump on the phone with us, banks jump on the phone with us and we're like, hey, what got you on today? Why'd you reach out to us? And they'll say, we can't see them referencing employees, so we don't know what they're doing. And we say, okay, is it about knowing what they're doing or helping them be productive? And the obvious answer is being productive. And then we'll say, okay, how did you know that before? And silence fills the room. And they're like, now that we think about it, we never really knew. We just assumed that somebody sitting at their desk or a butt in the seat referenced productivity and never really thought about, is it or is it not? That is a fantastic point. We often, I know I can be guilty of this, we just assume things will work out just so, but we're not taking a look at the underlying principles that make productivity happen, and especially the data, the reams of data you were told about and working with that one bank. If we try to spin that out a little bit to look at what effective CEOs are doing, effective companies. They're starting to leverage the data. The CEO is really in a position where he doesn't care nearly so much about his title as being a great leader. What kinds of things might we be seeing? I'm gonna answer on two sides. What do they find immediately? And it literally shocks them beyond belief that for, let's stay out of the branch side of the aisle to where you're actually with people and out of call centers for this. So for the rest of the employees, they average spending $43,000 per year for internal emails and internal meetings per employee. Wow. And that's kind of that moment to where they go, do what? And they don't realize that 65% of the average employee in a specifically in financial services time is spent 
on what's called organizational drive, just keeping the things going in the admin work. And then as they start to look a little deeper, what they start to see is that employees context switch actually about every three minutes. So they're jumping from an email to a meeting to a project and jumping back and forth, and they get less than 30 minutes of actual focus time. Incredible. Incredible. And how do we elongate that focus time? How do we get those distractions out of the way? I mean, some people would say that sounds damn near impossible, but obviously it can be done. How? One of the big pieces that we've seen, it's kind of like if you were to take the Fitbit or the Apple Watch examples of five, seven, 10 years ago, none of us knew that we should take 10,000 steps in a day. The rings weren't in front of our face. We weren't thinking about that. And just as though we're not really thinking about what's going on in the way that we work in a day and the habits that we've developed and how we're using our time up, once you have visibility of it, all of a sudden you start to go, wait a minute, I'm actually my own worst enemy. How do I make the changes? Because my future, my success, my results are dependent upon the changes we make. And then in addition to that, it's the recommendations that come in to help you with it, to say, hey, Lou, every morning when you get up or get to work, the first thing that you do is you spend 45 minutes in email, and that's actually your least disruptive time of the day. Why don't you focus on the key project, what you need to deliver today? Get into your to-do list rather than getting into your email first thing in the morning. But I like checking my email. I like goofing around on Facebook. <laughs> Seriously, what I love and the 10,000 steps, I think is a perfect example is we don't always know what the target is until it's defined for us. And we know instantly, wow, that's something I should be shooting for as opposed to that vague sense of, well, I should be walking around. This concept of advanced leadership science is for me something I frankly haven't heard of until today. How would you define it? You're at the forefront of doing this type of thing. Currently, right now, we're actually at, I would argue, probably the greatest transition in the way we work in a century, but at a minimum of the last 50 years. And it's that realization that we have been very siloed in the way that we view productivity as a whole. And it's been lost in thousands of different systems, KPIs, spreadsheets, and the realization that all of a sudden you can actually have a holistic view with a single measure because AI can actually be unique to each job, understand the uniquenesses of the job, but then report it back out in a common way. And at that moment, the shift instantly goes to the realization, here's what we've been doing, the visibility, but that drives the question, great, what do I need to do to get better? How do I get better? And remote work and hybrid are going to force this transition. And the basis of that is if we were to look back over this last year, and you've probably read all of the articles in the popular media, and they all say, yeah, yeah, employees have been as productive or more than they were in the office. When you get past the survey and the subjective response with it, and you actually say, how do you know that? Again, silence fills the room. People are like, well, you know, and it's kind of if I said, I'm running faster. Great. Based on what? Well, I feel like I'm running faster. And then when you actually look at the data inside of it, you see that the productivity has actually dropped because to deliver the same results, 
employees have worked longer hours. The workday actually grew last year. Results stayed static. Incredible. So what do we do with that? I mean, we are entering this new world where for the first time in modern history, we are looking at hybrid workdays where companies are going to try to successfully negotiate those boundaries between work at home and going into the office. What do you perceive will be the big challenges and how will we meet them? That's a great question. So if we look on one side, employees are saying, hey, I want freedom and flexibility. And then we come back over and most banks are coming back and saying, okay, we'll go with that. And you can go to pretty much this three-day work week aspect. And we're going to go to Zoom free Fridays and have reset days. And we're going to give you that freedom and flexibility. There's a few that are saying, no, that's not a good idea. But what we need to do is pause and say, wait a minute, freedom is never free. Freedom actually comes at a very high price. And are we really ready to pay the price the way we're working today? Or are we going to put a new solution in the room? And if I can, let me hit a couple of these price points that we're thinking about. This just hit me today. It's zeroing in around 70 to 75% of employees are saying, hey, I want hybrid. I want this freedom. I want this flexibility. If we were to roll back 18 months ago, that same 70 to 75% of employees were not engaged in their job. So we can look at employee engagement data and employees were disengaged in their job. So it's kind of like, wait, why are we surprised by them wanting that? But the questions that begin to come out inside there is, if it's not handled correctly, and I don't believe that real estate decisions and policies and procedures will handle this correctly because you start to think about it, what's gonna go on in reality? Well, there's a group of managers who by their own admission, I think it's 80% say we're not very good at managing virtual. So why are they gonna be any better in hybrid? Number two, there's a slew of biases that play in. A company can have any policy it wants, but the managers are going to come back and they're going to have biases. They have beliefs about what's good and bad. And that'll start to play out inside there. There's aspects of proximity advantage. Those that are closest to the manager and the boss, those people get extra time. They get extra projects given to them. Favoritism comes to those. Then it sets up, wait a minute, I wanted to work from home, have my flexibility, but I'm not being included. So FOMO begins to build into this. And then a couple of pieces I don't hear anybody talking about right now. One of those is really, it's going to exasperate inequality. Huh. All of the research says the people that can actually really take advantage of hybrid work, there are demographic splits inside there. And frankly, I'm going to go forward and be a futurist for a moment. It's going to set up a heck of a lot of lawsuits. Wow. How so? Inequality. Title seven lawsuits. There's going to be groups of people that are going to come back together and say, I don't have the same technology tools. I don't have the same bandwidth. I don't have the opportunity that these other people have. And therefore, it's your fault for setting this up. Coming to a court of law near you, it sounds like. As we ride off into the sunset here, one thing that fascinates me, I'm getting so much out of this conversation in terms of where the technology is going to be at the leading edge of the productivity what you're trying to do, it just makes me wonder, why are you so passionate about this? What is it that makes you want to do this? 
the realization that people spend 90,000 hours of their life at work, the realization that employees go to work every day wanting more, they want to achieve more, they want to get better, and the systems that we had in place historically could only serve to a particular degree. And if you look now, there's so much more opportunity that's there. Now, what really, really got me excited about it was the first time I saw data come out of our system. I looked at it and as you commented earlier, I spent two decades coaching CEOs. And the moment I looked at the data, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I wish I would have had this my whole life to help people with. Let's use an athletic example if that would work. Go for it. So from the Moneyball era onward, athletics is a data business. They look at the data to help the player play better, to win the championship. They've realized how to take that. And in work, we're just getting to the opportunity where that's accessible now. Yeah, we need more Billy Beans out there, right? I love Moneyball. It's one of my favorite movies. We're the Billy Bean of this. <laughs> Can't think of anyone more qualified for the role. Tommy, thank you so much for being on Bankadelic today. Total pleasure. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Thanks, Lou. Dr. Tommy Weir is a CEO coach, leadership expert, and CEO at Enable. He is based in Boston. You can look for Tommy on LinkedIn. You're listening to Lou Carlozo's Bankadelic, the colorful side of finance. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at NMD Plus, based in London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas. If you like what you've heard here, be sure to check out NMD Plus's financial technology podcast, Dave and Darm Demystify, with hosts Dave Wallace and Darmesh Mystery. Bankadelic. Sponsored by the William Mills Agency. For close to 40 years, the William Mills Agency has served hundreds of companies that provide a wide range of products and services in the banking, payments, mortgage, credit union, and related markets. The William Mills Agency is the largest provider of PR and marketing services for companies that market to the financial industry. For more information, visit williammills.com. Have you thought about how you'll gain the upper hand in your search for stellar talent? Banker Hire leverages a niche industry with uncommon insight. They're committed to finding you qualified commercial and community banking, lending, compliance, HR, retail, and wealth talent. Banker Hire prides itself on listening and solving problems. Their approach is 100% hands-on and heads-up, giving you what you need to make smart, actionable decisions. For more information, visit BankerHire.com. Quantic is the adaptive digital bank that offers entrepreneurs, immigrants, millennials, low-income families, seniors, and others innovative banking products and services which embrace the diversity of circumstances that exist in the lives of customers while elevating their financial strength. For more information, visit QuanticBank.com. That's Q U O N. T-I-C-Bank.com. I just want to say on behalf of me and all the boys here at Johnny the Big Teddy Bears, welcome to the team. Well, thanks. It's great. Uh, well, what should I know for my first day? I want to be prepared. Well, let me put it to you this way. You know, supply chain's a little whack right now, and, uh... 
you know, there's a lot of thought about what the workplace should be, hybrid, low-brid, I don't know. We thought a lot about freedom and flexibility in the workplace, and we want you to be free to be flexible and flexible to be free. Listen to me. Okay, go ahead. I don't really think it's a good idea if you come into the office, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so I'll be working at home, right? No, you, you better not work at home either. Just certain people might be spying on you. Oh, like a supervisor? No, not exactly. Let me put it this way. The manufacturer of teddy bears and whatever we might choose to stuff in those teddy bears, it's a very tricky thing. So, probably a good idea to play things close to the vest. You know what I'm saying? No, not really. What do you mean? Well, you take one of those teddy bears, let's say, home from the warehouse. You know, you get a, like a 90% discount, right? I wouldn't exactly leave it in your kid's bedroom. Well, why? It's a teddy. You know, if, if it just happens to get cut open and uh, the evidence falls out, it might not, uh, I don't know, probably wouldn't be a good thing. You know what I'm saying? What's inside a teddy? Look, you don't want to know what's inside the teddy bear. You know what I'm saying? I think you do. You're because remember the flip side of freedom and uh, flexibility is inflexibility and incarceration. Okay, so I should probably- Don't ask what's inside the teddy bear, capiche? And now the Banker Delicatessen presents... Three Bullseyes. Number one. It's realizing that you have X number of million hours that are accessible to you each year and helping each one of those employees use those hours in the best way they can to serve your customer. What happens in reality is those hours get wasted. Number two. So the data is there. Data is the currency of the future. But yet that data just sits and then we revert back operating like we did 50 years ago in the way that we manage not really pausing to say, wait a minute, how do we take this data to actually help our employees? Number three. The average employee in a specifically in financial services time is spent on what's called organizational drive, just keeping the things going in the admin work. The employees context switch actually about every three minutes. So they're jumping from an email to a meeting to a project and jumping back and forth and they get less than 30 minutes of actual focus time. And now, Lose Views. On today's podcast, Dr. Tommy Weir talked about the dimensions of freedom and flexibility, which have an inexactitude compared to looking at the data. Yet here's the rub. When a lot of organizations look at the data to measure employee performance, they do it in a way that puts employees on the defensive. Well, you're working this many hours and you got this much done and we can measure it through the key performance indicators and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the bottom line is this. We need to spend more time collecting and measuring the data that tells us just how much time we're wasting 
for employees. The meetings, the emails, what Dr. Ware referred to as organizational drag. This is going to be a tough adjustment to make because, indeed, the dynamics of the workplace have shifted so much that we don't always know automatically whether that workplace is at home, in a coffee shop, at the office, via Zoom, all of the above, any of the above. What we can do is look directly at the performance of our employees with a much more complete picture of the things that our organizations might be doing that hold them back and how we can open them up. It's that really peculiar yet beautiful effect of less is more, as in less interruptions equals more momentum, more productivity, and more innovation. Thanks for tuning in to Bankadelic. We hope you join us next time and check back in the weeks ahead as we build our podcast vault. Our producer in Chicago is Jenny Elman. Thanks again to the William Mills Agency for their generous sponsorship. Thanks to Banker Hire. Thanks also to Quantic. I'm Lou Carlozo. You can catch me on LinkedIn and at the Civil War reenactment as Abraham Lincoln. Until next time, so long. Bankadelic is a production of NMD+, London, Chicago, and Austin, Texas.